about you, but that has definitely been a little bit of worship this morning. If we were to create a list of the greatest lines, maybe the most memorable lines in all of the Bible, what would be on that list? Probably Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Probably John 1-1, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Probably the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalms 23. But I believe the most famous of all would be undoubtedly this. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16, we see the signs at almost every sporting event, when you could actually have fans at sporting events. You see it on the sides of the road. You see it everywhere. And that's the one that we are going to explore today. And specifically, we're going to look at the conversation that Jesus had with somebody that gives us the context for that verse. You know, we've been in this series called the, Looking at the Gospel of John, the Untold Story, a, a look at the unique contributions that the Gospel of John has gives us with regards to the teaching of Jesus. John was the last of the four biographical accounts on the life of Jesus. And John took advantage of that and included what the others didn't. We've looked at the fact that 90% of what John has in his gospel isn't included anywhere else in the Bible. So we're going to walk, we're walking through what John's unique contribution. And today we come to a midnight conversation with a man named Nicodemus. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll kind of go through and unpack it. Let's go to John chapter 3. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish leader, and yet you don't understand these things? For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So let's start off with the basics. When we 
talk about a story. You talk about the who, what, when, where, and why. So let's start off with some of those basics. Who is Nicodemus? Well, it tells us in John 3.1, there's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Now that's all that we're told. It doesn't seem to tell us a lot, but it actually tells us a lot. First, we're told that he is a member of the Pharisees, which is a very devout religious group. The word Pharisee actually means to separate, and that's what these guys did. They separated themselves from anything and everything that would violate the religious law. There were only around 6,000 of them. They knew the law of Moses inside and out, up and down, and vowed to keep every letter of it. But that's not all that we're told. We're also told that not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but he was also a Jewish religious leader. That means that he was a member of a group that was known as, as the Sanhedrin. 71 people who governed the Jewish people. The Romans delegated all kinds of authority to this group, not only in religious matters, but also in civil and criminal matters. They even had the power to arrest someone and to put them on trial. So Nicodemus was a part of this religious order that was very strict in terms of lifestyle, they were the teachers in the synagogues, the religious examples and role models for all of the people. Nicodemus was so committed, so authentic in the pursuit of that, that he was made a, one of the leaders of the Pharisees. But that's who Nicodemus was. He was a who's who of Jewish religious leaders. Well, that's who it is. But then... What happened? When was this happening? And we see it in verse 2. It says, After dark one evening, Nicodemus, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. There's an awful lot in that one verse. First, it tells us that he came after dark. Now we can read between the lines, he didn't want to be seen. He didn't want anyone to know that he was there talking to Jesus. He wasn't ready for people to know that he had questions. You know, he was, he was the who's who. People, Jesus should have went to him and asked questions, not the other way around. And even though he wasn't ready yet to risk his position, he still came to Jesus as an open-minded seeker. He's, he had seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. He had heard his teaching, teaching like nothing he had ever heard before. And he, he starts off with the obvious question, it's clear God is with you. I mean, you couldn't do what you've been doing if he wasn't. How does Jesus respond? Jesus throws a haymaker. If you're not a boxing person, he, he decks him. He, he throws and he decks him and knocks him out. Because here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is, is shocked by that. He says, what do you mean? How can an old man go in, back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. See, most people have heard that term, born again. And he, Jesus uses it to try to get something across that's significant. And what did, he what did he have to say? And it's actually pretty simple. First, he says, you were born physically. Then Jesus tells Nicodemus that there is a second birth that's out there. And by implication, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that, yes, there's a second birth. And Nicodemus, you haven't had it yet. That means, what that means is, is significant to Nicodemus, particularly when you remember who Nicodemus is. He's a who's who among the Jewish religious leaders. It's clear that when Jesus says this to Nicodemus, Jesus is not talking about belonging to a group, belonging to a church, or even attending a church. It's not about belonging because Nicodemus belonged. He's a member of the Pharisees. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He belonged. But Jesus says it's not about belonging. And what Jesus was talking about also didn't seem to fall into the behaving camp either. It's not about behaving. See, the idea that leading a good life, an upstanding life, will somehow make you okay with God. That doing good, doing right, doing it, everything you're supposed to was the essence of a relationship with God. If that had been what it's about, then Nicodemus would have been nailing it. I mean, he was, again, a who's who. He kept the letter of the law. Nobody was stricter in terms of their lifestyle than the Pharisees. So by any account, Nicodemus was trying as hard as anyone, maybe more than anyone else, to be a good man, moral, upstanding, honest, committed to his wife and to his family. And Jesus said, that's nice. But that's not what it's about. While living a moral life is something that God wants for us, he wants us to help us with that. It's not a life in a relationship with God. That's not what it's about. Following a set of do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, is not at the heart of authentic spirituality. None of us can live a life good enough consistently enough, morally enough, to make that the basis of our spirituality. And it's also not about believing. Jesus wasn't talking about belonging, wasn't talking about behaving, and he also wasn't talking about believing. See, the idea, if someone just believes in God, they believe in the Bible, 
they believe in Jesus, then you're somehow okay. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about either. If it was, Nicodemus would have been in a good position. As a Pharisee, Nicodemus devoted his life to the Scriptures. He was a scholar, a teacher. He accepted every word of God's truth. Probably had large portions of it memorized. He believed. But here Jesus is saying that acceptance of certain facts or beliefs, doctrines, or worldviews is not enough. Intellectually embracing something is far different than experientially living something. So if it wasn't any of those, what was left? Everything that Nicodemus knew, everything he understood was shaken to its core. If it wasn't about belonging, if it wasn't about behaving, if it wasn't about believing, what else was there? Jesus tells him one thing, being born again. So what's that about? See, if you're going to experience a spiritual life, you have to go through a spiritual birth. Just like you can't experience a physical life without a physical birth, spiritual life must have a spiritual birth. It's about God offering you a new beginning, a fresh start, the chance to become a new person by allowing you to enter into a life-changing, personal, intimate relationship with him as your forgiver, as your leader, and as your friend. Because belonging, behaving, and believing by itself is empty. It's not enough. We need more than that. We need relationship. We need to encounter him. We need contact with the living God. We need to have our entire life reshaped, remade, reoriented, reborn. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And then Nicodemus asked a question that probably all of us have asked at some point. He says, how are these things possible? How? I mean, isn't that the question? How do we experience a spiritual rebirth? How are we supposed to have a spiritual life that we all long for? How do we have that relationship with God that we know we need? How? How do we do it? And Jesus tells him. See, that's what brings us to that most famous verse in all of the Bible. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And as I look at this verse, I see four headlines here. Number one, God loved the world. 
Number two, God gave his son. Number three, so that everyone would believe. And then number four, those that believe will have eternal life. I want to walk through those four headlines with you this morning. God loved the world was the first. The word used here for world in the original Greek language was a way of referring to everyone in the world. Everyone that existed then and everyone who ever would exist, which means that God loves me and God loves you. No matter what you've done, he loves you. Second headline, God gave his son. God gave him to the world. He gave him to die for the world, to die for our sin. That's what Jesus did for you and I by going to the cross. Third headline, so that everyone would believe. Not the kind of belief that Nicodemus already had, but belief in the deepest sense of the world. Because true belief is more than knowing the facts. It's more than just saying that you accept those facts. Believing is giving your life over to that which you say you believe. I like how the book of James in the message paraphrase puts it. It says, do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God? but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your head. Demons believe. Even the demons know that God exists. They have no doubts about that. You'll never meet a demon who's an atheist. They know that God exists. But their belief is just head knowledge. They actually live in opposition to what they know. Real belief is more than just accepting a set of facts. Real belief, real faith goes deeper than that. It involves your entire inner world and then expresses itself outwardly in an increasingly transformed life. Real belief is giving yourself over to what you say you believe in. Think, think of it this way. Let's say if I ask you if you believe in marriage, and you say, sure. But it's not enough to just believe in marriage. You have to make a commitment. You have to live out your promises to care for your partner and to do all the things that love requires. That's why you can't just believe in God or in Jesus. You have to be in a relationship with him. You have to commit your life to him. And that fourth headline, those that believe will have eternal life. A life that begins right now and one that will carry forward into eternity, a life that is one prayer away. A prayer that admits your need 
for God, uh, that admits that you've lived a life that's just been belonging, just been behaving, or just been believing. A prayer that says you're wanting to come to him, that you want to turn from the way that you've been living. You pray that prayer, and guess what? You will be reborn. So what happened in this story with Nicodemus? What happened after that meeting? And we don't know for certain. We don't know a big chunk of his life. We don't know what happens with Nicodemus. But we are given some interesting hints. We are told that when Jesus has brought the trial in front of that Sanhedrin, which he was a member of, that only one person, one person, stood up and defended him. His name was Nicodemus. And then after his crucifixion, two men go to Pilate and they ask for Jesus' body to give him a proper burial. They did that at great risk. Many Christ followers had abandoned him. They had run away. But these two men were strong enough, their belief was strong enough that they went to Pilate and asked for his body. One of them was Joseph of Arimathea, and the other one was a man by the name of Nicodemus. So while we don't know all of the details of his life, we do know that he is no longer trying to meet Jesus in the dark anymore. But he is living for Jesus in the light of day. Now some of you may be watching online, some of you may be in this room, you've never admitted your need for Jesus. You've never turned your life in a new direction. You've never received him into your life. Your whole life has been about belonging behaving, or believing. You've never been born again. But you can today. By responding, it's just one prayer away, right here, right now. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning, but it's, it's your words and not mine. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. So will you pray with me? If you close your eyes, bow your head. Just begin by saying to God quietly in your heart that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Now tell him. Tell him that you want to be forgiven for those sins that you've you've had in your life, that you want a clean slate, a new beginning. You want your past erased. Now tell him that you want his leadership in your life. And now thank you. Thank him for doing that. Heavenly Father, thank you for these decisions. You've promised us 
that when we come to you and ask you to come into our life, you will come. Bells and sirens may not go off, but something miraculous and of eternal significance has taken place today. Heavenly Father, watch over all of those who've made that commitment for the very first time or made it again. Help them as they seek to grow in their faith and to serve your kingdom. In the powerful, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.